Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Study Break. My name is Melody, and today I'm here with Emi. Hi, so I'm Emi. I graduated from the class of 2020, and I'm going to be an incoming freshman at UCLA this year. Yay! (laughs) Congratulations on getting into UCLA. Thank you. Yeah, so I guess we'll just go right into it. And um, before we get started, do you want to describe maybe like your high school transcript, just any context in general that you want to give? Well, I didn't take IB this um, during high school, but I did take a lot of APs. I took about 12 APs in total, two in my sophomore year, four in my junior year, and six in my senior year. I know, I'm crazy. (laughs) And then... I ended up getting A's in all of my AP classes, but two of them in junior year were things to grade bumps, and that was from A push and AP lang. And then my total overall GPA weighted was 4.40, and then unweighted was 3.98. Nice. Dang. (laughs) And you were also ranked number two, right? Yes, I was salutatorian at graduation. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, so... This episode, it's mostly about how to get into a top university like UCLA. Obviously, you're accepted, so we can say you're qualified to give this advice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But first of all, I feel like a lot of people are wondering, like, the academic side of everything. Is it true that you have to have the top of the top grades in order to get into, like, a good school like UCLA or, like, an Ivy League school? I'm going to say that grades are important, but it's not going to be something that makes or breaks whether or not you're going to get into college. Because like in the UC apps, there's different sections where you can talk about grades, APs, um, activities and awards, which go into like your extracurriculars and any awards that you've gotten during your four years of high school. And there's also the four essays you have to write. And while grades are pretty important because there's a whole section about them where you have to explicitly give them your transcript. If your grades are not that good, you could always make up for them later on. You could always make up your application later on with your activity. So like if you're very sports orientated or community service orientated, you can emphasize those later on in your application. And that will also help you with your um, college application. Yeah, so... I can't really say anything about it because I haven't seen the college application process or been through it myself. Um, But like from what you see with the common application or um, whatever other application systems a lot of schools use, how would you necessarily like explain maybe in your college essays that like you didn't get a good grade in this class for a specific reason? Like, do you think that's an important thing to specify? I would say, depending on the situation, like, if you're saying you got a bad grade because, like, the teacher was hard and you didn't really understand the teacher, I don't think that's a good enough excuse for the uh, UCs or, like, any other college application site. But then, like, if you had something happening in in your family, then you could have written that as an essay because you do have four essays you can talk you can write about and I think there is a section where you can talk about like maybe why your grades aren't that good and you can give them a reason why which could be like um I was going like basically saying like oh I was going through like maybe a rough patch and then like I had think personal things going on that conflicted with my academic scores 
but like you can if it's if it's something that was because of you like you just didn't study or you just hated that class then I don't think that's a good enough reason to put down because if you put that the UCs might just see it and think so you were just lazy to get, and that's why you didn't get the grade you wanted yeah for sure and when it comes to like having the right mindset of getting like good grades what advice would you give to seniors out there who are trying to apply to top schools, but they they think like they're not qualified academically. Like, are you saying that seniors are questioning whether or not they should apply to school because like their grades aren't good enough or like they won't be able to handle the academics at that school if they did get in? A mix of both. You can answer both of that. Yeah. Well, first of all, if you didn't get the grade you wanted, then you don't don't mull over it don't start blaming people for blaming pointing fingers at people saying why your grade is like this because you might have had a bad day like you might have just flunked your finals because you were sick or you stayed up all night or something like what happened has happened you can't do anything about the past so you just have to take it learn from your experience and then try again next time so if you didn't get the grade you wanted then you can all, you can always emphasize the fact that you learn something you learn more of the concept rather than just the grade because that's what ultimately school is that you learn the concepts that they're teaching you and then you can take them and use them in the long run rather than just oh I just got an A in this class I don't even remember what's going on in here I can just ditch it move on with my life it's more important that you knew the concepts than just the grade so like I'm pretty sure everyone's had experience or heard of like those three are like like the heart one of the hardest teachers in the school even though not here anymore and they would be famous for like flunking kids giving them really low scores to the point where like teachers would beg like parents would beg students would cry about their grades but it's more important that you learn something out of the class even though it does look bad on your transcripts and even though it does look bad you could always make up for it in other ways. So like if your AP scores end up looking good, then it might it might just be like, oh, you failed the class, but you understand what you understand the concepts. So maybe it was just a hard teacher. And then there are teachers that reward you for getting high scores on your AP test. Yeah, I think it's really important to know that too, because it's hard. I mean, it's it depends on what school you go to. Some schools, I know they're really competitive and it's really hard to get A's in the class because most of the teachers are like super hard with grading scales. But like some specific schools, they're also like a little more lenient and then um, it might be easier to get A's. So like having good like standardized test scores is pretty important, like your APs and even your SATs and ACTs, which we'll get into later. But um, earlier, you said, like, failing the class. Did you mean, like, failing with your expected grade? Like, you think you failed because you didn't get the grade you want? Or do you mean, like, literal fail, like an F? Oh, both. Like, I know, even though C is considered passing, I know there are people who are not happy or satisfied with getting a C in the class. And then there are people who have actually failed the class, and because of that, they had to drop out or they had to go take remedial classes somewhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I understand. What advice would you give to seniors who possibly have like senioritis and don't really want to do anything 
because from what I hear, a lot of people say that even though like it's your last year, it's still important to get good grades because a lot of colleges still look at your college, not college, oh my god, <laughs> a lot of colleges still look at your senior year grades and sometimes if you like just completely start slacking off and you start from getting A's and B's to like C's and failing classes, um, they will like reject you or like kick you out. Mm -hmm. So, see, like, there's that saying that like senior year isn't important, so you can just like throw everything that you did out the window. That's like half true and half lie because they still look at your senior year grade. So it's if they see that you took all, all these APs in sophomore and junior year, and then all of a sudden in senior year, you take all these red classes, it looks like, it kind of looks like you just slapped off towards the end, which makes like a bad image of you to um, UC admissions or like any college you're applying to. And then I would say if anything, your grades in first semester are more important than second semester because first semester, they're, they're still gonna take those grades into consideration for your application. For second semester, you just have to make sure your grades aren't failing so that you can still go to college. And if you are taking APs, you sh shouldn't slack off because there are some schools, each school has a different policy, but depending on your AP score or your grades, you might be considered like low priority or they might consider you for a dropout even before you even get into the college. Because while it, it, your senior grade grades aren't as important, they're still important enough that they could ultimately, like if you completely choose to slack off and like don't go to any classes, don't go to anything, don't do any of your homework, just be like, it doesn't matter. I already filled out my UC applications, it's over. And you end up having like straight Ds and Fs then they're for sure going to reject you because they're going to it's going to look like you didn't try anymore you just did it to do the application and now that you actually got in somewhere you just don't care anymore and then yeah that just gives a bad image of you and the way you do things your personality to the UC or college admissions so they just don't want you anymore and i feel like another important point is you should also try in your senior year of like second semesters especially when you're taking APs because depending on the grade you get, like, the college might, like, take out a certain class um, that you have to take, right? Like, it's, like, those, I don't know what they call it in other schools, but it's just, like, the priority classes that you have to take in college, like, the main course classes, like, English and your maths and whatever. But if you get a good grade on your AP score, you might not have to take the class. And overall, it might save you some money too yeah uh if you have a high enough ap score like mostly around the fours and fives then a lot of times you can knock out like your general or basic uh classes that you have to take like your required classes that you would have to take in order to graduate and like if you can knock off enough of those yeah it will take a lot of the classes that you would have to take out um potentially like there's people who have graduated a year earlier or like a semester earlier because of the fact that they knocked out so many classes with their APs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you also have to put your AP scores on your college applications? I believe for all the ones. So like the Cal State, UC, and Common App, they all ask for your GPA, like your grades, and for the AP scores. 
And then for the AP scores, it's the same thing. You have to put it in yourself, like what AP you, what AP you took, and then your score. And then you have to go to College Board. After you finish filling everything out, you have to go to the College Board website, and then you have to send them an official score report to, to the colleges. Because, like, the counselors aren't going to verify those for you. College Board will. So you And this one you do have to pay money for. You would have to verify your... SAT, SAT subjects, and AP scores. Yeah, but there's also, like, this, like, free score report, like, sending your score reports for free thing in, like, a certain time limit between the time you take the test and, like, a month after, I think. That one you don't worry about until after you take your AP test. So, like, um, you get your college exception around like March, maybe April, if you're on the wait list, but then your, your AP test for the 20, like for that year comes out in, in May and your scores don't come out until like June, July-ish. So mm -hmm. the free score report is to help, is for you to send your scores to them after for like the 2020, or sorry, for like the year that you took the, like the, since the senior year that you're taking those APs, since you don't have your scores to send to them yet, you can use the free score report to send the, sco the scores that you would potentially get. Like, you don't know your scores yet. You can use the free score report to send it to the colleges the moment they come out. So you don't have to worry about them later on. Oh, I see. So regarding, like, SATs and ACT scores, I just wanted to ask which ones did you take and also if if you're comfortable with sharing this, if you want to like say what your score was on whatever test you took or both. And then um, if you have any tips for how to study for it. Um, I didn't take the ACT, but then I took the SAT twice. The first time I got 1480. And then the second time, this is the score that I recorded for the applications. I got 1510 with an 800 in math and 710 in reading. That's great. <laughs> and, then you <laughs> and then you asked how I studied for it. Yes. So mostly, mostly I use prep books and like different websites, like because the SAT is really based off what information you have learned over time. So it's kind of like the AP test, but it covers a lot more fundamentals that you learned like when you were little. So mm -hmm. because it like covers such a larger area of information and like it, it involves you retaining knowledge from like such a long time ago, it's like harder for you to cram all the information like the day or like the week before and get like that really high score that you're aiming for. So it would help, it helps to have like the prep book so you can at least like have an idea of all like the basic knowledge you're supposed to know. And for math specifically, I use Khan Academy because it gave a lot of math problems for you to practice and it's free. So you might as well just use it while it's there. Mm -hmm. um, besides that, there's also I took notes. I don't know if it helped. Like, I don't know if for each, since each person will like take it a different way. I took notes on like making like a formula sheet and like a grammar rule sheet that I can just look back to stare at like right before the test. And um, I know that people do take prep classes. Like I did take a prep class. Well, my mom wanted me to take the prep class, but really what, um, the, the biggest thing you get out of prep classes is that they 
slam you a practice test like two to three times a week. So because they always give you the practice test without you doing it yourself, you, you have like uncontrolled timer. So you can't really like, if you're doing it on your own, you can't be like, oh, it took me like an hour, but like really, it only took me like 50 minutes because like I spent time on my phone. I did this and that. Like, no, they like, since you're in a room with a timer, with a person watching you, it feels like an actual test environment. And because they slam you with the, with the test so many times, you get an idea of what the test is like, like what questions they're going to ask for both for all the sections. And you have an idea of the timing so you can get like pacing yourself. That's the biggest thing you're really going to get out of prep classes. So if you think that that will help you, then you could go for it. But just keep in mind they're expensive. Yeah, like if you think it will help, then go for it. But since they are expensive, you might want to just consider doing like group study sessions with your friends or like using whatever material you have as of right now, like prep books and whatever website you can find online. Yeah, for sure. And also, I just wanted to like give some advice to maybe some younger listeners and really ask like, what do you think is the best way to study for the SAT? Like, obviously, it depends per person. But also at the same time, like the SAT, it's very structured. And the college board, there's always like a specific pattern almost. It's like you kind of have to find a loophole and it'll make testing so much easier. Like even personally for me, I struggle so much more with like the reading and writing portion. Like after you take the practice test and you get something wrong and then you look back at the answers and the explanation and you're like, that was so obvious. Like, why didn't I choose that one? So like from your experience, what would be the best way to like really recognize the pattern or just like overall like succeed in the SATs? I would say the best way is through like just keep on taking the practice test over and over again. So like you get the because you get the you get the general idea of which how each section works, like what kind of questions they will ask you. Because a lot of times you can you're gonna see a pattern after taking so many of the tests that you're going to see this reading, it's going to be about this certain subject, and they're going to have these certain questions for, and there's about like maybe 10, around 10 or so questions. And then there's around like five sections. I think there's five sections of reading. And then like for the math, you'll see like what kind of questions, like there's a point where you're going to see what kind of math questions they'll have, maybe more math, more of this type of question than another type of question. And yeah, so just by taking practice tests over and over again, you would probably have the best chance of understanding how the SAT works because like for how it's really hard to to study reading because it's just like, what do you study? Like, Mm -hmm. do you just read a lot of works? Like by doing the practice test, you'll understand how the questions are formatted and that will help you like a lot for, that'll help you for taking the test in the future. Yeah, definitely. I feel like overall, like in any test, even if it's like for school, Knowing the format is so important because if you mess up on like the directions or you didn't read one word right or you didn't like if you like just made any careless mistake in general, it's such a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um. So now let's talk about extracurriculars and. We worked in the same officer board for a service club (laughs) in our campus called Interact. 
And that's like kind of, yeah, that is how we met each other. And I feel like you were low-key, high-key known for being in a lot of clubs, specifically like being club president. So can you share like what clubs you were in or any other extracurriculars that you participated in? Uh, so the clubs I were in, well, I was president for was theater clubs, Chinese club, and Interact. But then like the ones that really took up a lot of my time, like, spent, made, like caused me to spend time at home, like after school, would be theater. So that includes like theater and comedy sports, which is like a side branch of theater, which involves like improv and they have matches at least once a month. And then community service, which, and I primarily uh, did spent most of my time in Interact, but I did do community service events in CSF and Key Club. Yeah, awesome. So what was like the main reason that you joined, like apart from you know, looking good on college applications? Well, for the most part, my mom did not want me to join a sport or like join band just for like various reasons. So that really <laughs> left me with just club activities in general. Mm-hmm. And then with theater, I at first joined because like my brother was also in theater. So it was just, it, it was easy for us to both be in the same spot at this. And then so my mom could pick us up at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. But then, um, I just found interest in, I found interest in it on my own and then I even after he left and graduated I continued in theater and then like I found the most interest in lighting and sound design so I ended up joining that aspect of theater and I eventually became lighting and sound design and head for um theater and it was just, it's just like all, it was just like the environment where you can actually go hands on with with different things. Like you can you can actually use power tools. You learn how to run and manage different aspects of theater in order to like create one big project, which is the fall or spring production. And it's with those like knowledge and skills of sound and lighting, it led me to help the other branches of theater, so comedy sports and like um, any class productions because theater classes would have to have a final where they put on their own show. And then like, I would help out with that when comedy sports has a match upcoming and then they need like lighting and sound. Like I would help with that. And that just led me to like branch out like my skills into other areas. And then for community service, I was in CJSF and and then like we low key didn't do that much regarding Mm -hmm. community service, but like it really led me to want to do more in my senior year and like help out other people and like I was scared of key club like I'm not like <laughs> not like throwing shade at them or anything but just like their extrovertedness their outgoingness their chanting it was just it didn't fit with my personality and like the way I like to do things back then mm-hmm. so I found interact a lot more welcoming and friend friendly so I can like I continued to do community service events through interact and that led me to like investing more of my time in Interact, eventually becoming president in the 2019-2020 school year. But then since each club does different types of community service, I started to branch out to like CSF and even Key Club a little bit and started to doing just started doing community service events that they held just to like continue to, to help out the community, do 
do things with my time instead of just sitting on my bed and watching videos. Uh huh. Yeah. So, what would be your advice for anyone who's brand new to a school and looking for clubs to join? If a club catches your eye, just join it. Like, don't join clubs that you're just joining because your friends are doing it. Like, if all of, like just like if you're not comfortable with that club, you're not gonna have as much fun and compared to like your friends and you are going to meet new people through clubs so definitely just join the clubs that you're interested and comfortable with instead of just joining clubs that your friends are joining and it doesn't hurt to join a lot of clubs because like unless you're worried about like the fair share but the fair share is very um not a lot of the fair shares in most clubs aren't not aren't that expensive in the first place so it doesn't hurt to join a lot of clubs to find which ones you're interested in just keep in mind that if you do join too many, you will be forced to prioritize some clubs over others because of conflicting schedules. Since there's so many clubs on campus, there's a lot of times that two clubs, two or more clubs are going to be doing the same thing at the same time. So it will eventually make you choose which clubs you really care about more and then the more, and that you're more invested in than other clubs. So like my freshman year, I was in like, seven or eight clubs and by the time I was in senior year I narrowed it down to like four mm-hmm. so it's just yeah. like yeah it's just a, like you're welcome to join as many clubs as you want it's just that you're gonna naturally find yourself choosing some clubs over another and then by the time it's like your senior year you're gonna be sp- instead of spending your fair share on like 10 different clubs you're probably gonna spend it on like three or four yeah, definitely. I have to agree with you here because even in my freshman year, I joined, I think, six clubs and like three of them. So like half of them were like free to join too. They were like really tiny clubs. And then I just joined that because it sounded interesting. And then three other ones that I did have to pay like a $5 fair share. Um, but then ultimately, like what you said, it kind of forced me to choose which ones that I actually thought were more important to me like especially during lunches when we had general meetings and there were like two club meetings at the same time and like in the same day I would like really ask myself like which one should I prioritize which one should I go to and ultimately that led me to cancel like half of the class not half of the classes half of the clubs that I joined in freshman year and so in my sophomore year I joined the same three that I was in in freshman year. So I was in Chinese, um, do something and interact club. And then I also like branched out into like this other club called FBLA. And that was because of my interest in business. And I just like really wanted to see like what it was all about and really test out what I thought my interests were. Because, like, sometimes, especially, like, in the beginning of high school, I feel like you have this image of, like, how you think you're going to turn out. And, like, you have kind of, like, a vision. And even if you don't, you kind of just, like, want to still learn more about yourselves. And, like, clubs are for sure one of the best ways to learn more about who you are and some of your hobbies and passions during high school. Mm -hmm. And kills time because... I didn't take a sport. <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't, because I didn't, wasn't in a sport. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Oh yeah, also, joining a sports team is actually, like, one of my biggest recommendations. Like, unless 
you really don't want to do it and like you're not allowed to but otherwise like even if you're not great at a sport like you should totally join it because like the team energy it doesn't just apply for like sports only like this applies to like band theater whatever requires like a lot of collaboration like it's so good to train yourself with like how to talk to people and you can also make so many friends you can learn so much about the way that you interact with others and it's just so amazing to see like you and your friends and even strangers that you didn't know before and then like at the end of season or by the end of the show that you guys were working really hard on you notice how you all become a family and i feel like that's just one of the best parts about high school like developing those friendships and those relationships with people all around campus yeah pretty much <laughs> i can't say anything cuz i was in a i wasn't in a sport but definitely from like watching my other friends like they ended up just never they never talked to these people in their lives but if it wasn't for the fact that they were in the same sport they probably wouldn't and they found but they did because they were in the same sport and then it ended up like bonding over having like like a close connection almost like a family mm-hmm. within that sport and then they would always like hang out have fun do their like secret santas like all this kind of stuff yeah exactly and like coming from a personal experience i literally met like my best friend because of tennis so it's like i don't know it's just a fun way to like explore high school and make friends um but anyways back to the topic <laughs> <laughs> um so when you apply to colleges you obviously have to write college essays and so the biggest thing that i wanted to ask was like how do you make an essay sound more genuine because like i know even if you're passionate about something and sometimes you kind of go on on a rant and like you put in some fluff and just like unnecessary information or like sometimes you go too formal and it just sounds like you're trying way too hard so like how do you make it a good balance of showing who you are showing some of your personalities while also including that um professional aspect well the one thing i think the best way to make it genuine is that Well, don't completely lie about your experience because if you're saying if you're saying that you did something really special, like really amazing trying to make yourself stand out from other people, but you didn't actually do it, it's not going to you cannot effectively write about something that you that didn't happen. So the more that you try to like fluff up, make your lie like pretty, the the less genuine it will look to people. And it's okay to use first person in your essay, so since these essays are asking about like yourself and your qualities and like what you did and why that made you a better person it be a lot more easier personal genuine if you use first person here because instead of making an essay just like talking about what happened like let's like if you're talking about a certain scenario you can just instead of saying like oh first this happened then this happened like if you make it more if you make it more interesting by putting somebody in the moment saying how you felt how you saw things how 
what you did, then it makes things a lot more interesting and like genuine because it sounds it's coming from you. Like you're giving what you what what you saw and you felt during that experience. So I think um, to make it more genuine, just don't completely lie about something that you didn't do. Don't completely make up something that you've never done before. And use first person. It's actually okay to use first person in your essays because they're asking about you. So the more that you talk about yourself, the more genuine it will sound. Yeah, and also I'd like to point out, from what I hear, it's also okay to like write about your failures and maybe some not so great parts about your life. Definitely, you can talk more about like the darker side or like maybe like conflicts that you might have had, but those are a little harder to write just because if you you might end up accidentally emphasizing your flaws more than what you learned. It's great to point out that you do have a flaw, but then if you emphasize it, th then college admissions are just going to be like, so you're telling us you 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 have more of a problem than more of <laughs> how did you fix it? How did you learn from it? Because that's what they're lo they're looking for. They're looking mm -hmm. for the basically like the lesson you learned from that experience, how you ch and how you grew from that from that experience. Yeah, definitely. That's that's very important to distinguish because obviously we don't want to give them that impression. Um, so when it comes to recommendation letters, yeah, not all schools require a recommendation letter. But for like a student who needs a recommendation letter to apply to the college that they want, who do you think they should look for to write that letter? Well, UC, UC applications don't require... Uh, recommendation letters. I know privates do, and maybe a couple Cal States. I am not 100% sure about that. But in general, when you're trying to find someone to write your recommendation letter, you should definitely find someone who has known you for a decent amount of time. So not like somebody who's met you for like a week. And yeah, um, they also have to be willing to write the recommendation letter in the first place. So you can't this is where you should probably make sure you ask the person a cup at least one to two months in advance. Because let's say you have to your application deadline is is in a week, it's like a week away, and you need a recommendation letter. And you ask somebody and they say no. You're gonna have to find somebody else. And if you potentially can't find somebody else, then it's over. So don't just assume that everybody is everybody will just say yes. To writing your recommendation letter because like they might be busy or they might need something they might they might um need something from you and you don't have that time period to do that so it's important to at least ask like one to two months before but besides that um you can ask whoever you ask for your recommend for your recommendation letter it can be from any any teachers from your school uh, it could be maybe like an employer from work, or it can be even it can even be like somebody like your advisor uh, that for any community service that you might do. It just has to be somebody that has like some sense of like professional background to them to make their statement about you credible. It can't be like just some random friend that's over eighteen or like a family member because obviously that's going to be biased. And yes, there is a little bit bias to the recommendation letter because. Um, they know you, but it's they're coming from a more professional standpoint. Like they're coming from 
them being your teacher for a couple years or them knowing you as your their employee for this many years. So as always, like teachers or a counselor are always a good option. And often people will ask you for like a brag sheet in order to like have a better picture of who, what they're writing about. And it's not, I'm not saying like they don't know you, that's why they need it, but it's just like, they might know you from like a friendly social point of view, but they might not know like what majors you're going into, what college you're applying to, like just like the technical stuff that they have to put in their recommendation letters. So a lot of times teachers or counselors or whoever you're gonna ask will ask for like a brag sheet from you. So they have a better uh, picture of who they're writing about. And you don't have to worry about this brag sheet. Usually they will ask you for it and then they will tell you what they want. But just because you have to, you might have to fill one out, again, make sure you ask in advance. Yeah, definitely. And asking ahead of time also gives them the time to write. Because I know sometimes, especially during application season, a lot of teachers have to write a lot of recommendation letters. Okay, so let's talk more about you now. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so... What was it like knowing that you got into UCLA? Like, was this your top school that you wanted to go to? Pretty much, yeah. Like, um, I wanted to, like, it was, a, it was like that school that all parents are always talking about. It's close from home. It's, clo it's close to home. It's only like an hour away from where I live. And, like, you hear about, like, all these great schools, but some of them are just, like, so far away that it's just like I don't want to I don't want to travel that far so like to me ideally UCLA was like my best like my favorite like my best choice and like like the fact that like I was able to get in it was just like oh my gosh this is amazing <laughs> what major are you going into uh general biology nice um so when you were in high school or like when you were applying did you expect to get into UCLA no, I'm not, well, no, like, no, but not just saying, not in the sense that, like, saying, like, not, like, from, like, an arrogant sense where it's, like, saying, like, oh, like, I'm, like, like, you know, like, there's always those people who will be, like, oh, yeah, for sure you're gonna get in, look how high your grades are, look how high your scores are, like, from a realistic view, maybe, but then when I was applying was that I was really paranoid, and I was, like, there's plenty of people out there in this world, like, there's so many people in this world that, that probably perform better than me, like, I only know, like, I only know the people within the certain area, the small area compared to everyone else that's applying to this school, so I shouldn't be too cocky or, like, too sure of myself saying that I will just get into the, such a prestigious school. Yeah, definitely, and I feel like a lot of students can definitely relate to that because it's always that sense of like someone being so much better than you or like that in a way kind of toxic mindset but also at the same time like you should also give yourself more credit because even though they're like obviously just like in life in general there's always going to be people who are better at something than you because not everyone is good at everything. But apart from that, it's important to know that you should still give it a shot, even though you might not be so confident and you might be doubting some parts of your application. But at the same time, colleges aren't looking at 
they're not looking for the perfect person. They're looking for the right person to go to their school. And also, just like what Yumi said previously, it's important to point out that even though like your transcript may not be the best or your extracurriculars aren't very diverse, it's still important to know in your essays what you've learned, how you've grown, and everything like that. I said something important. <laughs> you've been mentioning like really great topics. Like I'm not even kidding. Like this is good. Okay, I, I, I'm worried. I was worried. I was just like, am I saying something stupid? Okay. What are some of your plans moving forward as a student in UCLA? Well. As, since I haven't really been able to go on campus, uh, enjoy all the things that UCLA has to offer, thanks to Miss Corona. But um, well, for now, I'm just planning on studying, making sure I graduate, and like once this quarantine ends, just have some fun at UCLA, meet some people, join clubs, like just have the fun that they offer me there. Yeah, that sounds great. And the thing is, like UCLA, it's it's in Westwood, so it's like, you know, pretty bougie area. <laughs> <laughs> but like, is there anything in particular that you're really looking forward to? Um, being close enough to downtown LA so I can go to Little Tokyo. <laughs> I don't know, I just like, Perfect. I'm in the LA area in general, might as well like, go to like all the famous places in LA, eat all the food there. Yeah. And like, the thing is like, from the area we're from, like, it's super close to downtown LA, but the thing is, like, traffic always makes it suck so much. Yeah, like, a, it takes, like, at least an hour to get there with traffic. Yeah, and UCLA is, like, a little bit further down, too. So, I remember this one time I went over there to, like, watch this play, and then um, <laughs> we were driving back. It was, like, around 7 so not like the worst time, but still, traffic was so bad. It took almost three hours to get home. Like, oh my it god! Was, that yeah, that was like the worst traffic I've ever seen. And like later on, we went like on a detour, so it like cut down some time, like to I forgot. It was like two and a half hours, I think. But like before, like the Google maps thing like it's like your travel time is approximately three hours you're like are we going to vegas now what's happening <laughs> yeah oh my gosh this is like i hate traffic this is why like i avoid going sometimes i just avoid going places because like i know the traffic is so bad and it takes like sometimes i would visit my brother in san diego and then the ride the ride itself is already supposed to be like two hours but with the traffic it's like four and i'm just like dying in the back seat while it's hot yeah exactly at least we're not, like, in New York, because I know it's, like, way worse over there. New York, you just walk. At that point, you just walk. <laughs> or, like, ride the subway. That's the end of our podcast. So do you want to, like, plug your social media? If you guys have any, if, like, if there's any questions or, like, if there's, um, if you just want to contact me and, and like, you know, just talk, I don't know, <laughs> anything you want, well... My Instagram is emi.lee underscore zero one. Great. Also, make sure to follow Study Break's Instagram at the Study Break Podcast for trailers before the episodes come out. Yeah, so thank you to my guest, Emi. I really appreciate you coming on. <laughs>
Yeah, this is so fun. This was definitely a new experience for me. So thank you for the experience. <laughs> of course. Make sure to tune into your favorite podcast app, follow Study Break, and listen to a new episode every Tuesday. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>